Can we give a round of applause to our amazing teen youth band? Jason and his... Man, I, I can't explain how amazed I was listening to you guys. You guys really have a powerful way of bringing God through worship, through singing and praise. And I just want to thank you guys for sharing your talents with us this morning and bringing us to the foot of the cross. So thank you guys for doing that. I hope you've had a good week. I hope you've enjoyed the sun. I took a, a walk to Terrigal uh, Beach yesterday evening and I was like, well, it's not ready for swimming quite yet. It had a bit of a pungent smell, but um, I was just glad the sun was out. But this morning we are going to be exploring my sermon title. Can I get my first slide? Is called The Pursuit. Have you ever been in pursuit of something? Have you ever been searching for something that at any cost, no matter how hard it was, how long it was going to take, you were driven to get it? The pursuit. Let me just have a word of prayer with you and we're just going to go into that. Father God, Lord, I just want to thank you for this time. I want to thank you for your love and grace and mercy. The fact that you seek us and you are desperate for us. And I want to ask, Lord, that you just be present in this time as we seek you through the word. And we have worshipped you through song and through offering and through children's story, Lord. But we pray right now that you allow us to hear you once again in your word and um, I thank you for the privileges to speak on behalf of you Lord but I just pray that you just really anoint this time anoint this place and um, we just pray and outpouring your spirit in this time Lord we pray this in the name of Jesus amen have you ever been in been hungry for something that you were not going to stop until you got it for me the one of the greatest pursuits in my life Definitely wasn't a thing, but it was a person. My pursuit over my wife. Oh, yeah. Can I get my next picture? Oh, yeah. Look at that handsome devil. Yes, me. Um, <laughs> I'll take it. Um, there's my little girl. I didn't really say, show you a picture of my first time coming up, but that's my little girl, Ava. That's my wife, Chris. And there's myself and we are about to become four in in june the 20th so i'll introduce you to my boy a bit later on in the series of this year but um the pursuit of my wife was definitely one of the most intense pursuits of my whole life the first time i met my wife officially would have been at avondale college i say officially because it's only at Three years into marriage when we sat down and we're going through the family portfolio where my mum used to love, she loves taking pictures. And I said, my 18th birthday party, I looked in the crowd of people and I saw this face and it was my wife, obviously not at the time. And I was like, you were at my 18th birthday party. She's like, yes. I was like, you had your eyes on me for a long time, my dear. <laughs> but so officially was at Avondale College where I was introduced to Krista through one of my friends, uh, Natalie Flamenco. And when I first saw Krista, I was like, oh, wow. Wow, God spent extra time on you, my dear. God spent some extra time on you. And um, I thought somehow I need to get myself more acquainted with her. And for me growing up, I always had this golden rule that if you can make a girl laugh, you're 50% there. That was my rule. Like, if you can make her laugh, 
you, you, your boyfriend material nearly there. That's, that didn't really always work for me, but that was in, in my mentality. But I remember starting getting to know Chrissa, and our friendship started to develop. And I don't know, boys and girls, if you, if you guys do it these days, but back in the, my day, in order to start dating, you needed to make it official by asking them out. Today, I, I don't know if it's Facebook official, it has to say relationship status, I don't know today, but for me, when I was a teen and a young adult, you needed to be able to say that line, will you be my girlfriend? And until you said that, nothing's on the cards. You ain't dating yet. So I remember being in my dorms and sitting in and standing in front of my mirror and practicing my line saying, Krista, you're awesome. And we're awesome. And I want to take, no, no, that's not going to work. Krista, I really think you're special. I think you're amazing. And I would love to make and take this relationship to the next level. Oh yeah, yeah, that sounds a little bit better, that sounds a little bit better. And I would spend hours in front of the mirror rehearsing what I would say to Chrissa to make her my girlfriend. The time came and we went for a, a picnic with a, a group of our friends to the beach. And um, obviously I didn't want to do it in front of everyone, so I said, hey Chrissa, can we? can we go for a walk on the beach? And I was like, man, I could not have written, written this any better. So I said, all right, sweet, let's, let's go for a walk on the beach. And I remember us going for a walk and looking out at the beautiful scenery and I turned to Chris and I kind of put out my line. And as I said it to her, she looked at me and she paused. And I was thinking to myself, oh, pause is never good. And I was kind of, if what it felt like eternity, and then she, she, words finally came out of her mouth, and I was hoping it would be yes, but it was like, oh, Ian, why do you have to ask me out now? We're about to go on break from college. And I was like, stunned mullet. I was like, standing in front, I was like, that was not the answer I really wanted to hear. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know what, Chris, you, you're, you're making absolute sense. Maybe it's not good for us to start dating right now. Yeah, okay, we'll just wait. Went back to the dorms and my mate Lenny, who was my roommate, said, Ian, how'd you go? How'd you go? How'd you go? Did you ask her? Did, did she say yes? I'm like, no, 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 she didn't. And he's like, ooh, tough break. Um, but again, the pursuits. I wanted this girl to be my girlfriend. We went for a drive to um, good old Tagra shops, the most romantic place on earth. And um, on the way back, to make it even more romantic, she actually drove me to Tugway. She drove us on this date. I didn't have a car at, at the time. And um, on the way back, she dropped me off in my dorms and I remember about to leave the car and I said, and I said you know what, Ian? I need to ask her right now, I need to ask her right now. So I turned to her and I asked her, Krista, I really, really want to take this relationship to the next level. Will you be my girlfriend? And again, she turned to me and there was that pause. I was like, Dang it, I hate that pause. And I waited there. And before she could utter the next word, I literally ran out the car, because I was so scared of what she was gonna say next. I literally tailed myself out of that car and ran straight to my dorms. And um, I went into the room, and again, Lenny was waiting. How'd you go, how'd you go, how'd you go, how'd you go? 
video and I was like, I don't know really, she didn't say anything. But I, she didn't say what I wanted to hear. Couple weeks later, we were sitting underneath one of the jacaranda trees and Crystal turned to me and she goes, Ian, are you gonna ask me out? I looked at her. I was like, are you joking? And, and, and she goes, well, I thought we, 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 would, we would be a, relate, a couple by now. And I, and I said, no, 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 before you start saying anything else, I'm gonna ask you out because I feel as if you're going to the point that you're gonna ask me out. So I asked her out underneath this jacaranda tree. It felt rushed, but it at least became official. It took me three attempts to make Carissa my girlfriend. Most times after the first, I'm like, no, 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 no. Ain't gonna go that way. But in order for us to start dating, I had to ask her out three times. I was so incensed. Obviously, I wouldn't say love at that point, but it was lust and it was driven and it was, I really was infatuated by her and I really wanted to pursue her as a girlfriend. And I wasn't going to stop until she became my girlfriend. The pursuit is something we can kind of attached to a lot of aspects in life. And I really do strongly believe the pursuit can be very much attached to the spiritual aspect of life as well. And I want you to turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 19. And we're going to explore the pursuit a gentleman had for Jesus Christ. But what did it take? What did he have to go through before he came face to face? Luke chapter 19, the pursuits. We read in Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. Verse 3. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at, that, at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give, all, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Jericho was a town that if you wanted to go to a place and wanted to, how I could say layman's terms, have a good time, you would go to Jericho. It was famous for its festivals. It was famous for its music. It was famous for its marketplace. In fact, in order to get to Jerusalem, you had to bypass Jericho. So because of this, the city had people going in and out every day of the week. It was the place to be, Jericho. And the Bible says at this very specific time, 
people were starting to talk throughout this amazing town, city. And people were starting to talk about a rabbi who had just raised a person from the dead, Lazarus. People were starting to talk about a rabbi who actually, if he had his own slogan, would read, friend to sinners. This was uncommon for any rabbi, but this rabbi, it was very common. And all of Jericho was talking about this rabbi of Galilee, this rabbi who, who performed miracles, who, who touched sinners, who healed people, who, who approached those who were most likely unapproachable. This rabbi was unlike any other rabbi. And what made matters even more intense for Zacchaeus, one of his elect, Matthew, was a previous tax collector. And this started to capture Zacchaeus. Who is this man? Who is this man that even allows people like me to share his company? And not only that, that he would invite one of, the, one of us to be his disciple. Who is this rabbi? And the Bible says that Zacchaeus was so, not the Bible, but we believe that Zacchaeus was so driven by this, he had to meet, he had to see, he had to have an encounter with Jesus himself. Who is this rabbi that everyone is talking about? Who is this Jesus of Galilee? So determined, the Bible says, that he ran ahead of the crowd. Now we need to actually take this picture that Luke is painting. He ran ahead of the crowd. In order to run ahead of the crowd, you need to run through the crowd. And you need to really pull this apart to find out how, how powerful this point is. Zacchaeus, a tax collector, hated by all people. In fact, tax collectors were, were classified in the same bracket as murderers and rapists. Everyone hated tax collectors. So for a tax collector to go amongst people, run through people, being a crowd, this was a big no-no. For those who have ever been in a mosh pit, for those who have ever been in a concert, for those who have been in a crowd of people, it is hard to kind of push your way through. And if you are in a crowd, especially a mosh pit, you'll come to realize that it can be very, very dangerous. One of my favorite things in my, in my young teens is going to concerts and all that, and when there was a mosh pit, we would go into the mosh pits, and one of my friends would always play pranks on us and that they would try to make their way around in the mosh pit and try to push one of the people down. Try to push me or Eric or Aaron or Ryan, our mates, down. And when you looked around to see who pushed you, you would never know who did it because of the crowd of people. With that picture, I want you to place that with Zacchaeus. He's in a crowd of people. He's making his way through the crowd of people. They know who he is. They would have taken the chance when they see him to kick him, to punch him, to elbow him, 
they hated him and the opportune moment to, to inflict pain on him and get away with it, they would have seized that. That does not doubt me for one second. But Zacchaeus is determined to see Jesus that he makes his way through the crowd, through the punches, through the hits, through the knocks. And my first point is this, in the pursuit of Jesus Christ, in the pursuit of, of, of God, it takes grit. There will be times in your life that when we are pursuing this, this man that we call, call Jesus, there will be times along the journey you will get hurt. Not so much because of him, but because pain is very much part of the Christian journey. As a kid, I used to always read as I walked the valley of the shadow of death. And I used to use this kind of this scripture to, for motivation that when I was scared of the dark, it would allow me to kind of work up courage saying that God is with you as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Everything's going to be fine. And it took a pastor to sit down with me and say, Ian, you know that the Bible says you need to walk the valley of the shadow of death. That you actually need to go through it. That there'll be times in your life that the world seems dark and the world seems, it seems cold. And that is very much part of the Christian walk. Just because you, you choose to have Christ as the Savior does not mean you excuse yourself from pain. And as he shared this with me, I was kind of like, ooh. I didn't think of things that way. The pursuit of Christ, the pursuit of, 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 of salvation, not salvation, the pursuit of God, there will be times in your life you will experience pain. Pain in the form that how a loving God can allow evil to take place. That is one of the big questions. You hear how a, a God who, has, who holds the universe in his hand and he, and he helps someone in another church find their keys in a, in a parking lot, but yet when you are faced with cancer, there is silence. That is painful. How a God who can do all things decide at times to remain silent. Pain is very much part of the Christian walk. The Christian walk is, in fact, for me, one of the difficultest journeys you will take. One of my favorite quotes, can I get my next slide, is by G.K. Chesterton. He writes this, Christianity has not been tried and found empty. It has been found difficult and left untried. The Christian walk takes a tremendous amount of determination and grit. Because when we are faced with hardship, for me, I can only speak of myself, is where is God in that? Or how can he allow this to manifest and unfold? I, 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 I do my devotion, I spend my time, I allow him to be part of my journey. In fact, before I make a decision, I consult him first. But yet, when I do this, how can things still turn sour? Where is God in, in the midst of pain? The Christian walk can be one of, the, one of the hardest walks you take. But the Bible says, though you want to excuse from it, God promises, promises to be with you through it. 
Pain is very much part of the Christian walk. Side note as well, I think especially as adults, as a, as a, as a, as a parent, we need to be upfront about the pain that we encounter and experience. We need to be sharing with our kids, our young ones, our students, our, our, the ones we are mentoring, that there is pain in the walk. And we need to share the pain that we have encountered. My parents had this kind of approach that we won't tell Ian what we encountered because we feel as if by sharing him what we did in our childhood, it will give him excuse to do it himself. But one of the things I've learned in chaplaincy is so often when kids come up to me and share with me their hardest stories, and I ask them, have you told your parents about this? They always tell me this line, they will not understand. And as I'm sitting in the chair, I always think to myself, I know your parents. I've spoken with them. I have, I, 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 I have rubbed shoulders with them. And I know they are in fact exactly the person to understand your story. But somewhere along the way, they withheld that from you. Because they were fearful of what you may think. They were fearful of what you may do with that new information. Parents, it is time that we start to share with our young people our stories about the pain we have encountered. Not because we want to give them license, but because we want to share with them that they are not alone in this. I used to always look at my parents and, and put them on, on um, podium and think, man, they have just got it together. They have just, they know everything. They know everything in the dictionary. They know everything about life. Anything you want to do, you ask them and they have the answer to it. Now I put them and made, made them think that this is perfect picture. They knew everything and what to do. They were perfect parents. As I, I became a parent, I started to realize, man, this image of perfection is far from that. A lot of the times I'm just second guessing. I'm just guessing in what I have to do. It's a scary role being a parent. And I wish someone had sat down with me and just shared with me the pain and the struggles they, they encountered so I could share with them my pain and struggles. As a church, it is time that we start to share with one another our pain. And I promise you this, the moment you do this, it will give license for someone else to come beside you and say, I know exactly what you're talking about because this is exactly what I'm going through. The church is not only about coming together and worshiping God. The church was brought together because God wanted his people to be together. Share and carry and help each other through hardship. And we start by doing this by being open, being genuine, and being raw with one another and saying, this is where I struggle. I am first to put up my hand and say, I am far from the perfect pastor, that I have gone through tremendous amount of pain growing up. One of my struggles as a teen and as a young adult has definitely always been pornography, and I struggled with that, and I'm always the first to put up my hand when young people come up to me and tell me this. I say, you are not going through this alone. I struggled with this. And I, because of the pain I encountered, I want to help you through this. And I want to promise you this. There is a way. We need to be real with the pain. Because the Christian walk, pain is very much part of it. 
but we need to stop masking and pretending that it's not part of our journey. And the moment we are real with one another, we bring light to a dark topic. Praying is real, but we need to be able to share it and bring light to the matter. So Zacchaeus pushes, Zacchaeus pursues, Zacchaeus endeavors to go through the crowd. My next point that I want to point through is this. Pursuit takes focus. Pursuit takes focus. Have you ever thought that when Zacchaeus was looking to find Jesus, when he was looking to see who Jesus was, the crowd of people that were closest to him, to Jesus, were the ones that were just were blocking his view. The crowd of people that were closest to Jesus were the ones that were blocking Zacchaeus' view of Jesus. Did you get that point? The ones closest to Jesus were the ones that were blocking the view of Jesus. Sometimes, it are the ones that are closest to the Lord are the ones sometimes that obscure the vision we are trying to get of Him. Sometimes it is in fact the church that blocks the exact vision we're trying to grab. I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't think I have to go far in asking people in the crowd that has there ever been a time someone in the church has hurt you? Has there been a time that someone in the church let you down and caused the vision of Christ to be blurred? Sadly, I've been in the ministry for 10, 11 years now, and I don't have to go far to hear people's stories and find that there's somewhere along the way they were hurt by someone in the church and they decided to leave. Sometimes the crowd of people who are closest to Jesus are the ones that obscure the vision of the, of the person we are trying to get. But my friend kind of brought this point to me, and I've never forgotten it, says this, if being hurt by people in the church causes you to stop and leave the church, then your faith was in people and not in God. Did you get that? If being hurt by people in the church causes you to stop and leave the church, then your faith was in people and not in God. Church and young people, I want to speak directly to you. There will be times that someone in the church lets you down. There will be times in your, in your journey that someone in the church obscures and blurs the picture of Jesus because of their interaction with you. Why does this take place? The reason why this takes place is because the church is filled with imperfect people. And people that are hurt will end up hurting. But because you get hurt, does not mean you should run away from the only one who can bring healing. Hurt is very much part of the journey. But I want to employ and encourage you that when you are hurt, make sure that you keep your eyes fixated on the one that will bring healing, and that is Jesus Christ. Hurt will take place. The church will hurt you at times because it is filled with people who are trying to figure out who is Jesus in their life as well. When you read the Bible, you'll find that people make mistakes. 
Saul was so full of himself. David decided to have a peek. Jonah decided to go for a run. Thomas was a doubter. Peter was angry. Whenever you go and you read the Bible, Moses struck the rock. People make mistakes. But it's in those moments you need to take your sight off people at times and keep your eyes focused on Jesus Christ because he brings healing. Sometimes it is the crowd of people that obstruct our view of Christ. But in those moments, we need to fixate on Jesus Christ because he is the one that will bring healing to that pain. The church is filled with imperfect people. That is just, that is what a church is. You don't go to hospital when you're well. You go to a hospital when you're sick. And the church is a hospital of people trying to find out who Christ is. And sometimes we get this wrong. I've heard people in the past, and I apologize for it. I am far from perfect. But I'm trying to do my best. I was sitting down, I think, at the minister's meeting a couple of days, a couple of weeks ago. They, they brought out the NCD reports, and they said that there are, prior to this, this report, loving relationships was the last on our list. And this year, it has become second last. So we're, we're heading in the right direction. But as I sat there listening to this report, I, the thought came to my mind, we as a church, though we are imperfect people, we need to get this right. We need to get this point right. I love the church. Born and raised at 7 a.m. Venice, but sometimes we place more emphasis on knowledge and less on loving relationships. When the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, it says this, you can know all the things you need to know. You may be able to prophesy, you may be able to heal, you may be able to do all these things, but if you do not love, you are like what? Like sounds. You do nothing. It is vital for us as a church before Bible studies, before all these things, we need to know how to be in relationship with you. And for me, that's why for the last few weeks, I have been saying to you, church, I am so grateful for the relationship and the way that you have accepted me and Chris into your fold. And for me, that is a sign and that is a symbol of a church that is doing it right. And that is the difference we are going to make in our community. When people walk through the door, not that we know what we know and, and we can pull out and quote Revelation or Daniel, which is all cool, which I love, but we know how to treat each other with respect. In the Bible goes, if they know how to love and they love each other, they will know that, they are, that you are my disciples. If you love. And I cannot encourage you and, 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 and enough, I cannot employ you enough, and I cannot thank you enough for doing what you are doing in this church. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Loving one another. I want to finish on this point here. On this little story that I have. Because with Zacchaeus, he, he goes to this journey, he goes to this pursuit of Jesus Christ, but the conversion takes place with Jesus 
Christ. The conversion takes place in his relationship with Christ the moment he comes face to face with Jesus Christ. The moment he discovers him and sees him and encounters him, the Bible goes, the moment he encounters him, his life changes and he says, I will do this, I will do that because I have met him, I see him and everything I have heard about him is true. Conversion takes place because he encounters Jesus Christ. As a kid, one of my favorite soccer players was this man called Robert Pires. And I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but Robert Pires was one of my favorite soccer players because everyone used to say Robert Pires was a man of, of the sport. He was a true gentleman of the sport. He, when you met him and you came face to face with him, you fell in love with him because he was just low down, down to level, down to earth. When I went to Mauritius, we went to this fancy, fancy restaurant. And um, as we were eating, my brother kind of tucked my, my shirt and he said, yeah, 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 look, 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 look. There's Robert Pires. And I looked over my shoulder and sure enough, there's this amazing individual sitting at the dinner table having a meal. And I know it's golden rule when you see a celebrity in public to not disturb them while they eat. But as I sat there, I thought to myself, man, how can I not? How can I not? That's Robert Pires. I'll never see him again in my life. So we kind of made our way to him and, and we kind of um, pushed ourselves through the, through the bit of a, a queue in the buffet. And, uh, and me and Eric and Joe went to Robert Pires and said, Mr. Pires, is it okay that if we, we take a picture with you? Is it okay if we take a picture with you? And he looked at us and said, bien bon, bien sûr, of course, of course. So me and Eric and Joel kind of got up and we, I grabbed the camera and took a picture of Joel. Eric took a, took a picture of, 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 of me and um, so forth and so forth. And then when we had finished taking the picture, we're like, Messi, 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 Mr. Pires, Messi. And we kind of made our way back to the table. As we sat down, the first thing obviously that we need to do is take a look at these pictures. So as we sat down, Eric got the camera open and I looked at the picture of Eric and I was like, man, I did that picture of Eric and I was like, man, that is a nice picture, I should be a photographer. I looked at the picture of Joel and again, another great job in picture. Then I looked at my picture, can we take my slide off? <laughs> that is the picture that Eric took of me and Mr. Pires. And I looked at this picture and I said, Eric, you forgot to take a picture off the flash. For the first time in my life, I, was, I wasn't hungry. <laughs> and I sat there and Eric and Joel just kept them the whole time rubbing my back and saying, oh, poor young, look at your picture, look at our picture, they're great. I'm like, yeah, thank you for that. We went for a, I, we went for a walk in the hotel, this magnificent hotel. And as we were walking, we heard this, garçons, garçons, vini, 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 French, boys, 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 come, boys, 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 come. Sure enough, it's Robert Pires. And we think to ourselves, hey, he's not talking to us, man, he's a big shot. Um, and you know, you look around and you know, hopefully that you probably see family behind us because you don't want to wave and realize he's not waving at you. <laughs> One of those moments, so we're like, maybe he's kids. And we look around, there's no one around. And again, Garçon, 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 mini, 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 mini. And we look and sure enough, he's talking to us. So me, Joel, and Eric kind of make our way, we shuffle, and there's Pires, and he's approaching us like we're celebrities. And he goes, boys, 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 I wanted to talk to you a little bit longer, but you guys kind of just left. Where are you guys 
talking about Australian accents and all that, and we're talking to him, and we're like, this guy is interested in us. And we can't, and we, we just are down like, like deer in headlights. And then we started talking to him, and we started talking about the English Premier League, and, he's, and I asked him, how was it like talking, playing with Steven Gerrard and playing Liverpool? This guy is a phenomenal player. He won the World Cup. He won the English Premier League. He won the FA Cup. He is an amazing player. We started talking about all these things. And as we're talking, the thought comes to our mind. The picture. The picture. And I turned to Perez and I said, Mr. Perez, is it okay if I take a picture with you? And he looked at me, hey, you already took a picture. And I grabbed the camera and I showed him. And he goes, ah, it's like a casa. I want it, I want it. <laughs> and um, he goes, yes, look, yeah, yeah, of course. Take a picture with me, take a picture with me. So I was going to give it to Ang. I'm like, no, you get lost. I gave it to Joel. <laughs> and and I, 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 I kind of went around him and I put my arm around him. I was like, man, I think I'm in love. I looked at him and I, and I was kind of stood beside him and then we took the picture, can I get on my next slide? I was like, oh, damn. I was like, I fell in love with this guy, but what kind of captured me was like everything I had heard about this man came true. He was a gentleman. He was down to earth. He was on the level and he was just a pleasure to meet. Church, I want to share this with you. Everything Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus Christ before his conversion took place when he came face to face. And he saw for the first time in his life everything that the people had spoken were true. He is a friend to sinners. He is a man of love. And the Bible says his heart was broken and he was healed and he said for has changed from this point on. I want to encourage you, church, in your pursuits, there is grit, there is determination, there is hardship, and there is focus required. But I promise you this, the moment you come to experience a relationship with the one we call Jesus Christ, I promise you this, you will not be disappointed. He is everything and more what people have been speaking. He is love. He is healing. He is genuine. He is real. He is grace. He is love. And he is more and more of this. But you need to find him. And I promise you, when you find him, you will not be disappointed. The pursuit of Christ is hard, but it is worth it. So push on. Endeavor. Pursue it. And I promise you, when you find him, you will find life, you will find love, and you will find grace, and that abounds and abounds and abounds and abounds. May God bless you, church. Let us pray. Father God, it's, I just pray I've done you justice. I pray I've done you service this morning, this afternoon. I know I've gone over a bit of time. But Lord, in, the, in, in this, this talk, I just pray that it comes to this point, this realization that you are love that you are good and that you are safe. And I pray, Lord, as we endeavor to, to go on this journey and trying to find this picture of who you are, I pray that each and every one of us come to a point in our life that we encounter you and everything that we have heard is true. I pray on that journey, Lord. I want to pray for that journey. Keep us strong, keep us determined, and keep us focused and allow us to keep our eyes fixated on you. 
because when we experience you, Lord, our lives take a turn and we experience life for what it really is, a life lived with you. So walk with us, Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ.